0: Hello and welcome to the Golf Shake Podcast. My name is Kieran Clark coming to you on the week of the 146th Open Championship from Royal Birkdale. Always a highlight of the summer as the game's finest players attempt to claim the famous claret jug and secure the prestigious accolade of being the champion golfer of the year. But unfortunately, due to technical And logistical issues. My regular co-host and colleague, Mr. Owen Davis, has not been able to join us for the full show, though we do have a short segment with him from Royal Burkdale itself. So instead, I sought to find two articulate, knowledgeable, and witty replacement guests for Owen. But unfortunately, I wasn't able to get them. So we have Stuart Armstrong and Josh Jeffrey instead. And firstly, I want to bring in uh, two great guys here. I want to bring in firstly Stuart, who is a golf-mad, father of three boys with a penchant for zebra trousers and engineering, not to mention trains, and a bit of golf as well. And Stuart has actually seen the wonders of my game on several occasions, or the real kind of ugly side of it as well, unfortunately. And Stuart knows everything and everything about everything. He's the ultimate stat man, and now I welcome Stuart Armstrong to the Golf Shake podcast. Stuart or Fuzzy as he's otherwise better known. How are you tonight?
1: Uh good morning I'll say I usually listen to his podcasts and the way into work in my morning commute, so thanks for having me on. Um I think you've just totally set me up for a huge fall, but let's let's see how we get on.
0: Well, my idea was to kind of big you up at the start and then kind of work, 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 work from there. But yeah, obviously you're a regular listener to the podcast, but now you've actually crossed the line and you're now behind the curtain and behind the scenes and part of the, the machine itself. What a great honour that must be for you. And of course, we also have here Josh Jeffrey, who's extremely knowledgeable, a very good golfer in his own right, well, certainly compared to myself and... Uh, To an extent, Stuart as well. And Josh is a Mm -hmm. former St Andrews student. He sponged the Lynx ticket for many years, which is a wonderful privilege I now enjoy myself. And Josh is from England, but he crept north across the border in Scotland some years ago, and he hasn't yet found his way back. Though, of course, he has picked up a wife and a child in that time. It's funny how life works out. And Josh, he knows someone who knows everybody in golf. And, of course, he especially loves Ian Poulter. Hello, Josh.
2: Good evening, Kieran. Thank you for having me on. What a lovely introduction! I'm not quite sure what to say. Um, and you know, I am the world's number one Ian Poulter fan. So yes, yes. Right. And I shall be tipping him up later in the in the podcast as well, I believe. So he's um, yes, you shall. He's got a good chance this week, I suspect. So yes, we'll um yeah we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes, shall we? And um, yes, looking forward to it.
0: Rare platitudes for Ian Poulter from Josh Jeffrey, Yes and uh, yeah of course we'll talk about Ian Poulter and all the potential contenders For this year's Open Championship At Royal Birkdale obviously a great highlight of the year Really, kind of the cliche is it's the most open of Opens because there's really no real standout clear favourite right now. A lot of the top players aren't quite on form. Some of them are kind of emerging. Some guys with maybe less experience are playing well right now. But which of them will cross the line in the Open is another question altogether. And, of course, you throw in the intangibles of the weather and the changeable conditions that can really affect any Championship each July. And, again, it makes the Open so unpredictable and, indeed, fascinating in its own right, of course. Obviously, the Open Championship is really... Something that as golfers in the UK we grew up with, we have a real affinity with it. It's a, a real part of our kind of identity as golfers. Uh, so, Stuart, coming to you first of all, what has really been your? What was your first awareness of the Open Championship? Talk us through some of the Opens you've attended or watched. What have been your favourite Open memories through the years?
1: Well, mainly the the, the Opens in the UK. The Opens interest is because it's been free to on the BBC, and I remember I think it was '93. Turnbury was nearly the first Open I, I wanted to go to, but um, I was I was only like eleven years old, and my parents wouldn't let me jump in the the train down there. So it was a few years later, uh, nineteen ninety seven, uh, when the Open was held at Troon. i you may have guessed from my accent, I'm from the west coast of Scotland, and um, I played quite a bit of golf down at Troon. On the there's three municipal courses right next door to the Royal and you can just jump in the train, you're straight onto the, the Muni. And you can just gaze over the railway line at the, the posh people on the, the, the nice course. So my, my first open was the the 97, which was won by Justin Leonard. Um, yes, and was. he was. he was chased by Jesper Parnovic, who I got to meet afterwards. And I remember one of the big memories was sitting in one of the grandstands. It was about uh, 15, 15, it was on the Sunday, and Darren Clark was making... I run up the grandstand or no I run up the leaderboard I should say not up oh, the, the grandstand, grandstand. Oh, that's incredible <laughs> <laughs> he's offline now wasn't he <laughs> and uh, it was just this, the buzz going about this, uh, Darren Clark who was, was quite young then I think this was maybe one of his first or second open he was quite new onto the scene at the time there was just a buzz going about that uh, a guy from Northern Ireland might be in the, the hunt to win the open here um, and I've been to I was hooked after that I've been to quite a a lot of Opens. I've covered practically all of them. I've been to St Andrews, Louis St George's. Um, one of the few I've not been to is actually Buckdale. Um But I think my favourite Open memory was just in 2005, which was, again, I was in the grandstand at St Andrews and that was the Saturday, and it was Monty and Tiger were going head-to-head, head mm-hmm. and there was just this buzz going about the grandstand. Unfortunately, my wife was um, eight and a half months pregnant at the time, and I, I dragged her out to an Open Championship, and St Andrews isn't the best course for viewing, so we we just sat that day right over the first tee, and we watched every game go out, and we watched every game come back up, and we got absolutely sunburned, the weather was glorious, and just that was a, a great day. And again, the buzz going about, we were watching the leaderboard and Monty was making a charge, or so it seemed, and then he fell back. And there was a, that was just before Twitter and before we had smartphones. So we were the light on the, the open radio and the, the numbers changing on the grandstand. It was, uh, yeah, I well, love going to the open and um just a bit sad that I can't make it there this weekend.
0: Yes, but as a kind of consolation, Stuart, you are on the Golf Shake podcast, of course, and that surely makes up for the fact you're not going to be at Burtdale this week. And of Absolutely. course, I must quickly mention there that despite the fact that Stuart dragged his heavily pregnant wife to St Andrew's that year, they're still together 12 years on, unbelievably. It mm-hmm. shows you. Astonishing. And over to you now, Josh. Obviously, you are of a slightly different... Maybe slightly younger than Stuart. Only slightly. Not much, no. Slightly <laughs> younger. You look younger than him, and... Um, And obviously your memories of the Open, obviously, Josh, down in England, of course, growing up there and so on. And then, of course, coming up to St Andrews in more recent years and enjoying the Opens in Scotland. So, Josh, what are your biggest memories following the Open through the years? I know you were a big Nick Faldo fan.
2: I was growing up, yeah. I I was a lot, actually. So my first memory was, well, actually, it was the 1990s. World Cup semi-final where Chris Waddle missed a penalty and I remember being in tears I was only eight years old or nine years old (laughs) and my dad said don't worry son Nick Faldo in the open I thought that cheered me up and he did he won up at St Andrews and in fine style as well didn't he so that was really my first real memory in the time where you know there was a real buzz I think being at st andrew's really helped when you're watching it on tv because it was just such a great atmosphere there but Mm -hmm. i've been i've counted back to there i've been to 10 opens um in my life which is um some going there are a couple of places i haven't been to still but um I, i remember the first one i went to 96 at lytham um i grew up in the northwest so it was it was a fairly easy one to get to and i went to all four days of that um, and I remember watching, really keen to see Tiger Woods play. This is when he was an amateur. I think it was one of his final events as an amateur before he turned pro. And, and um, that was great to watch him and Jack Nicklaus, I think, were playing together that day. And it was just phenomenal atmosphere. It was one of those really hot and dusty weeks at the Open, you know, where the where the, the, the rough turns to hay and yeah. it's all flying. I really love that. And I, I don't think we're going to get one this week at Birkdale by the look of the forecast, but... Um, just, just kind of soaking up the atmosphere is great. Tom Lehman that week put on an absolute exhibition, so mm-hmm. it was really great to see that level of golf. I mean, at that point, Tom Lehman was just a, just a brilliant, brilliant golfer. For he had a very, very hot spell around that time. So, yeah, it was just great to see that. I'd say my all-time favorite Open memory though would ha- I, I it would have to be Henrik Stenson's win last year. I just yeah. really think that will go down in years to come as as one of the all-time great major wins, um just because of what him and Mickelson did to the field that that week, and you know they they were so far ahead of everyone else. I've never seen anything like that, and I, I'm not sure whether we ever will again. It was just a phenomenal win, really, really great, and great to see a nice guy like Stenson pick up a major after years and years of knocking on the door. So, yeah, that that'd be my kind of. I've got lots of memories because it's my favourite week of the year, but certainly (laughs) the ones that kind of come to mind, so...
0: Yes, it was certainly hard to beat last year's Open. Obviously, a great duel, a kind of gladiatorial clash between Stenson and Mickelson. Really, one that will go down as being one of the great majors. I think of this century. Kind of harkens back, of course, to '77 at Turnberry with Nicholas and Watson. But I think even those two said that the golf that the two guys pl- played last year was at such a level. It was superior. It was just a clinic on every aspect. It was a uh, tremendous to watch, and uh, one of the great Opens certainly in in recent memory, unquestionably, and will only grow in stature in the coming years. But from my perspective. In terms of the Open, I've been to quite a few Opens over the years. I've grown up with it, going to them. And my kind of favourite memory was actually... Both my favourite and kind of saddest, I guess, in some respects, was actually the 2009 Open at Turnberry, where, of course, Tom Watson rolled back the years astonishingly at the age of 59 and became agonisingly close to lifting the claret jug for a sixth time. And I grew up really in a household that loved Tom Watson. My dad, it's Watson's his favourite golfer. My grandfather admires Watson as well. And to go there... And, and sort of see Watson rolling back the years Like that was just a, a surreal experience I watched Watson during the practice round that week And he was hitting the ball so well And I thought, well, he's playing pretty good Maybe he can make the cut or something like that <laughs> I would not expect him to go out on the first day and shoot 65 And I watched that round from start to finish All 18 holes, it was a surreal experience But then the next day I was there with my grandfather who had watched, who'd been there at the Open in 77 watching Nicholas and Watson going head-to-head. And I was in the grandstand on the 18th green and Watson came to the 18th green with Sergio Garcia and Mateo Manassero who was then the amateur champion. And uh, Sergio pushed up Watson and Manassero and gave them a standing ovation. And then Watson came to the green and he holed a putt from right across the green from about 50 feet right below us. And we both went absolutely crazy, my grandfather and I. It was an amazing moment. And the next day, I was there with my dad and uh, sort of watching Watson come up to the last hole again, holding the 54-hole lead. There was a real sense of, we may never see anything like this happen again. This was a real astonishing, historic moment. And then that next day, obviously, was so dramatic and tumultuous and you know, so change- changeable. Westwood was there, obviously. Stuart Sink came through and posted a good number, but Watson had the chance to win. And I couldn't see the finish. I was standing so but far behind the crowds but i could hear the reaction on the 18th and when i heard watson he played his shot and when the ball hit the, the green the place erupted but then the ball kept running and it turned to groans and you just knew that he'd missed the green and it was obviously a kind of a, a poor finish that sort of everyone felt quite deflated but it was a real experience and for someone who'd really grown up hearing all about tom watson what a player he was he was the, the best links player he was the greatest open champion and to see that Recaptured in person was just a, a real kind of groundbreaking experience for me, and it's one that I, I'll never forget. And I would certainly, when I, when I was sitting last year at the senior Open uh, in front of Tom Watson at Carnoustie, uh, I was, uh, I almost told him that I was pretty kind of starstruck that way, thinking that this is, you know, to see this guy that was amazing. I know Watson has a very complicated personality, but in terms of a golfer, he's uh, as good as it gets. So, obviously, a lot of great open memories there, guys. Thanks for sharing. And the Open, again, let us say, there has a real affinity. With all golfers in the UK It's really our championship Our international championship And uh, our kind of lives in golf Are almost indelibly linked With the game's oldest And I think greatest Major championship but Now looking of course To the Open this year Royal Birkdale 2017 The 146th edition Of the Open Obviously I said earlier A very open championship here A lot of players in contention A lot of real contenders there a lot of names people have been citing as being potential winners. But in terms of the golf course itself, Rob Burkdale's hosting the Open for a 10th time this year. Its first time hosting was back in 1954 when the great Australian Peter Thompson won there. We've seen Arnold Parr win in 61. We've seen Lee Trevino win there, Johnny Miller. Tom Watson won there in 83, his last Open title, and the only one out with Scotland. And then of course, 98, Mark O'Meara won there, who will be playing in his last Open this year at the age of 60. And of course, nine years ago, Porrig Harrington produced that amazing back nine and that brilliant eagle on the 17th to win at a canter in the end defend his title successfully in difficult conditions as he fended off Ian Poulter and the resurgent Greg Norman at the age of 53. So Burtdale has rewarded some great players through the years. has been widely regarded as being perhaps the best open venue in England. A very fair test is what they kind of say about it. A very good golf course. And... uh, We actually had our our very own Owen Davis was there this weekend, uh, this week at the Open in person uh, on site. He walked the golf course, he's seen the conditions, he's seen the setup. He's played the golf course several times through the years in a variety of different conditions. And earlier today, I spoke with Owen about the setup there and he'll give us some insight right now into how the course is playing, his thoughts about it what sort of players he expects will play well there, and how the conditions could really impact the championship as we get through the week. And I must quickly mention that I actually recorded this earlier today with Owen, who was sitting at the time outside the Glen Glenmorangie tent in the mm. Open Championship tented village. So make of that what you will, ladies and gentlemen. So bringing in Owen Davis right now. So, Owen, obviously you're at Royal Burkdale right now. It's Tuesday afternoon. The weather forecast in there right now has been fantastic for the last couple of days but it's not set to last. So, Owen, talk about the golf course. You've played it before. Mm. Um, what is the setup looking like this week so far? And uh, What are your impressions of how the whole open setup is like at Burkdale this year?
3: Yeah, so the course itself looks fantastic. It looks the best condition I have ever seen in. It should be in great condition. It's a major, right? So it should be good. But it looks absolutely fantastic. It's not actually that burnt out yet, Um when I got here on Sunday uh, afternoon, Monday morning, it was a lot greener than I thought it would be. Um, I actually watched some of the players hit some shots into the second green this morning. I actually watched a group with Mickelson, uh, Spieth, uh, Justin Thomas and John Rahm. And they were sucking the ball back probably ten foot, eight, ten foot into the green with the wedges. So... Not typical links conditions, and that's not into a strong wind. There was there was a very small, light wind, five mile an hour uh, or so into, um, and uh, they were sucking the ball back. So the course is playing quite soft at the moment. Saying that, just even this afternoon, uh, walking around the golf course, you can see it getting a bit more fiery, getting a bit more burnt out. The wind's uh, just getting up. Obviously, they've shaved everything down. So it's beginning to burn out, but there is rain forecast tomorrow and for the rest of the week. So. If it does that, I think it will play pretty soft, um, softer than we may be used to seeing a Lynx course play. And I think uh, as a result, the scoring is going to be pretty good. But um, that's kind of what the course is looking at. The rough's up. If you're offline, you're going to get punished. Um, But um, at the moment, with the way the forecast is, I think it's uh, going to be a low-scoring tournament.
0: Yeah, and going back nine years ago in two thousand and eight, when Porrig Harrington won there, it was the winning score of plus three, uh, three over par. The, the weather was very difficult that year, particularly in the first round, where the wind was up, the rain was there, and the wind remained pretty steady throughout the four days. And the scoring was very high as a result of that. Uh, this year didn't seem to be quite so severe as that. Some rain t- potential, like you say thunderstorms possibly tomorrow and Wednesday and uh, then into the tournament, the winds to pick up a little bit, but no- nothing you know, nothing too catastrophic really, so it should be a very kind of fair and steady test, perhaps kind of similar to what we saw maybe last week at Dundonald for the Scottish Open, or indeed the week before, uh, for the Irish Open at Port Stewart, kind of a softer links course uh, that's certainly scorable if you put the ball in the right places but Owen, oh, you've obviously you've played this golf course before, and uh, a lot of the players call it one of the fairer te- tests on the open rota so for someone like me who is not a, a great golfer, what does that really mean? And what do the, the top players look out for in a golf course like this that's maybe fairer than some of the other links courses on the open rotor?
3: Yeah, so I think um it's it's what we mean by fair and what the players are talking about is that they're gonna get rewarded for their good shots and they're not gonna get punished um by hitting hitting it down the edges of the fairway and it kicking hard into the rough or hard into a bunker. Um, The fairways, although it's a very um, hilly golf course in a lot of ways, um, there's not great change in elevation as you play it, but there's lots of sand dunes around the greens framing a lot of the holes. But the fairways themselves are very, very flat, um, with the exception of maybe... Just a couple of holes, the nine springs to mind has actually got a very upturned saucer uh, top to it, which makes it very difficult to hit and is probably the only blind shot on the course. But the rest of the fairways are very flat indeed. So when a player hits a good shot down the middle with their driver, it's going to stay there and it's not going to be bouncing off sideways into the rough. And equally, the greens are also very fair. There's not many bunkers in front of the greens so you can run it in you can uh, there's always an entrance to the green, so you're not trying to they're not going to be able to tuck the pins away off the back of bunkers very easily um so you know there's pretty much all of the greens um you know there's no trouble short uh, there's trouble short and right in terms of pop bunkers but but you're going to be able to get full value from running your shots in and, and get rewarded that way so the players like that the players like to see that when they hit a good shot it stays a good shot and they're going to get rewarded for it so that's what we mean by fair uh, and you know and that's the opposite of maybe some of the courses we see on the open rota which are, you know if you're a purist and a bit more old-fashioned um, and you know that's that's those sort of courses if you're a bit more modern in your way of thinking and like to see rewarded for good shots um, this is the one for you
0: Oh, you see, imagine thinking that, being rewarded for good shots. That's, that's a terrible attitude to have, Owen. That's not the way golf should be. It should be random and all about luck and bounces everywhere and just madness. That's the way it should be. But, yeah, obviously, a great golf course, very highly regarded, arguably the best of the Open Rota, uh, particularly in England, uh, of the courses there. This is its 10th Open uh, this year. The first one was back in 1954 when uh, the great Australian Peter Thompson won there, obviously one of the great players of all time, particularly when it comes to the Open Championship at that time. So Owen, you've played the golf course. So what are your what are your experiences of playing the golf course? What conditions have you played it in? What are your impressions of Burkdale as a golf course compared to some of the other great golf courses that you've played over the years?
3: So I think first up, like you just mentioned there, I mean I haven't played Muirfield on the open roads, so are often considered to be the best, but certainly I've played all the English ones, and um it's the best in my opinion in in England. I think it's uh uh, like I said, it's very fair. Uh, the holes are framed really well. It's very pretty. I think it's a fantastic uh, spectators course. And I think it's uh, very scorable. Um, it's certainly got some teeth uh, when the wind blows, but if you get a fairly benign day, um, you're going to get full uh, reward for your shots. And you're going to shoot, if you're if, you're gonna, if you're a player of the standard that these guys are, you're going to shoot under par. Um, so I think the scoring will be low. I think there's lots and lots of birdie chances out there. Um, you know, and I, I'd yeah I, I see the players really really enjoying it this week despite a bit of wet weather um you can't stray offline that much. Like any open course, the rough is thick. Get out of position, get in the pot bunkers, and you're going to be in real trouble, and you can you can have a really high score. I've I, I played it where uh, I've played in a very strong wind and actually been winding off in the afternoon and lost seven balls in the first seven holes just by hitting it in the rough. Um, but I've also played it in calm conditions where you can can get it really get after the golf course. And there is a lot of birdie chances, and it will yield a huge amount of birdies this week I think and um, it'll be great fun to watch I think we're in for a cracking
0: And that was Owen Davis there talking about Royal Burkdale obviously a great venue for the Open Championship and uh, and guys uh, Owen there, he essentially spoke about and how in his view it's the fairest of the venues it has flatter venue, uh, fairways there are fewer bounces and Crazy bunkers and it's it's more of a, a solid kind of Muirfield style test where great shots tend to be rewarded and good golf really gets the benefit from that. It's not too many tricks. It's not like Royal St George's maybe where the fairways are very hard to hit because they're sort of upturned in the middle and roll off towards the rough. Royal Burdett is really the kind of the tour players one of their favorite golf courses on the Open rota. And of course, he also noted that the golf course is playing quite soft uh, this year, so the conditions you know are kind of at the moment with perfect weather on Monday and Tuesday down for the practice rounds scoring. In that theory will be very good. But of course, the weather forecast is potentially going to change over the coming days. There are thunderstorms forecast for Wednesday and into the championship itself. Thursday looks OK, but into the weekend, the wind's to pick up a chance of rain as well. So maybe not quite at the level of 2008, but certainly the course will play softish. But the wind will certainly keep things relatively interesting as well. So, Josh, coming to you firstly here, kind of a, a, a general overview about the golf course and the field. If conditions turn like we expect them to, if the wind picking up and the rain, what kind of golfer do you think will succeed this week at Royal Birkdale? Oh, it,
2: do you know what? I was at the Scottish Open on Sunday, and it was windy there. It must have been 20, 25 miles an hour at times, gusting. And I thought, God, the scoring's going to be tough here. But it wasn't. The scoring was actually better, I think, on the Sunday. I mean, the course record went Rafa Cabrera-Beo, um, yep. so, so I'm just not convinced that it's going to play as much factor potentially as we think. They're so good now in the wind and the ball just doesn't really move as much anymore in the wind. So but I really think, I mean, if you look at the winners we've had there, Marco Mira had an incredible year, um, 1998. Harrington had that really hot patch around um, kind of 2007, 2008 and won there. I don't know. I think they've got to be an all-round a good ball strike, a good chip, a good putter. You can't get away round Birkdale without being a all-rounder. I mean that that's number one. So I also think depending on the conditions, if it is rainy and windy, it's going to be someone who just really has got that ability to stick in there. Someone who's quite gritty and determined. So yeah, it, it it's going to be an overall good player. There's not going to be I don't think it's going to maybe suit the bombers over Over kind of the good putters this week, it's just going to be an all-round solid um, player who's going to pick up the the claret jug. So it's it's really difficult. It's wide open, as we've said before. It's just so, so open that it's actually really difficult to pick one person you would say is a standout favourite.
0: It certainly is Josh, you're quite right there and, But of course we'll try and do it anyway That's obviously the kind of wait, podcast wait, give we are go, we, try yeah. and give, we, we try and give answers to people As best as we can And uh, starting first of all I guess we can really begin Kind of sensibly with the world number one Dustin Johnson who of course For really since the US Open last year He went, he went on this real dramatic run All throughout the, the spring into this year He was dominating the game, winning world golf championships He was winning do- comfortably He became world number one Nothing seemed to be able to stop him Until that is, he met a flight of stairs at Augusta National (laughs) before the Masters and he fell down them. He missed the Masters, and he hasn't played much since then. But when he has, it hasn't been that great. So Dustin is coming in here, obviously has a game that could potentially you know, bring any golf course to its knees. You know, an incredible driver of the golf ball. He's really improved his wedge game now, and he's a very solid putter as well. So Dustin really, in theory, when he, when he was playing well earlier in the year, he seemed to be the complete golfer. He's not quite there now, but fuzzy, coming to you first of all about Dustin Johnson, even though he's not showing the form, for a wall number one, is he not coming into Burke somewhat under the radar?
1: Uh yeah, totally. I think he's uh, the first time we've not really been talking about a world number one being odds-on favourite since um well since Tiger was number one and in been injured. Um and Dustin's history is he has he's played in eight opens, he's only missed one cut, so he does seem to quite like the open championships. He's had three top tens. it does seem to have the the game and I was going to say the maturity for it, but maybe in Dustin's uh, case, it's um, something else has got not going on in his head, but he's he's certainly able to take, not but it does, it does seem to remove himself from emotion at time and he he can, Hmm. he he can challenge without um, things getting in his way, so to speak. (laughs) So, Yes. Yeah, it's it's that's 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 a problem with this Open. This golf course does tend to reward good golfers. Um, In theory, Dustin could do very well here, but he's just such a an unknown coming into it. He's he didn't play the Masters. He missed the cut at um, the U.S. Open, and we don't know. (laughs) We don't know. And again, I think as you kind of indicated there, he probably
0: doesn't know either. But uh, Dustin, (laughs) you know, obviously he's a very relaxed character. But such a supreme talent, and we almost kind of forget how just how good he really is. And you know, 15 time winner on the PGA Tour, world number one. US Open champion, and again he's played well in the Open in the past, and indeed, in awkward conditions, back six years ago at Royal St George's, he That's was right there until the back nine with Darren Clark until he went out of bounds and, and threw it away almost, but he really was in a position there to potentially win, and Dustin at that time in his career has had a few kind of uh, mishaps in the last sort of stages of majors at the US Open at Pebble Beach, or the Whistling Straits for the PGA Championship, So, but he's overcome that, and last year's US Open I think really showed he could handle any situation on a golf course you know, Whether it's because he doesn't think about it or whatever else But he has ice veins almost And I think that will bode well for him this week But the question is whether his game is quite there To get into contention But for the way he drives the ball and hits the ball it's uh, you know, He's certainly capable, he can't rule him out at all But Josh, coming to you now And one guy who he seems to have this intangible ability to get the most out of his game, to do the right thing at certain moments, and that is Jordan Spieth, and that's a real enviable trait to have, something that really great golfers have. They can do the right thing at the crucial moment, and that can make all the difference, as of course we saw at the recent Travellers Championship when he holed the bunker shot to win the playoff, despite not playing very well on the back, then he still ground out a win. But according to my scout this week down there, Owen Davis, Speef has been hitting the ball magnificently so far this week at Birkdale. He Obviously, he's a... It can be a very good putter uh, Something's a little bit streaky in more recent times But certainly his uh, iron play is, has pr- improved dramatically It's probably better now than what it was Two years ago when he won the two majors And was going for the Grand Slam uh, Potentially Grand Slam at St Andrews in 2015 So Josh, you mentioned obviously Long hitters and Spieth isn't a bomber As such, he still hits the ball a fair distance His game's more of an all-round sort of thing So in that respect, Josh Is Spieth kind of the archetypal golfer that could succeed at Royal Birkdale. Uh, absolutely. I mean if you think we we've
2: we've hit an era now as well where we we've got some superstars. We've got Dustin um Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day and they tend to go on these kind of waves of of form, you know, they hit a couple of months of playing really really well and then yeah. kind of just kind of shallow off slightly. I really think now Jordan Speith's just just approaching the crest of a wave again. You know his his last competitive shot was the whole bunker shot, as you said, Kieran. So he, yes. you know that was crazy, crazy end to that tournament. I really think his confidence will be up. Um, it, oh, as Owen said, he's hitting the ball great. I, you know, the the signs are there, aren't they, that we might be approaching another. Phase of Jordan Spieth playing very, very well. He's got the he's got everything really. He's a he's a good driver of the ball. He wasn't so good at the Travelers Championship, but we we know what he's like from twenty fifteen. He hit the ball great then. His approach shots, I think he's right up there in the approach shot um stats in on the PGA Tour. Um, he might well be number one. Um, and his chipping and putting's always always good. And he is a sort of guy who will always raise his game on the big stage if you look at his major record is just like phenomenal for someone of his age um his worst finish in the last 10 majors is 37th which i think says <laughs> i know it's just unbelievable and he's made every cut in the last 10 since he, since he won um since he won the masters um I, I he he'll struggle to ever replicate what he did in 2015 first first fourth and second in the four majors he probably never ever matched that however we know he's got more majors in him. um he's he's young he's that you know what i was saying he was about the kind of gritty determined mm-hmm. character he really fits yeah. that bill so i would be very surprised if he wasn't up on the leaderboard high up that leaderboard come sunday afternoon so
0: yeah i certainly agree and you mentioned there just how young he is and we almost forget that and he is still only twenty three he turns twenty four next week, and it just shows you that he's achieved so much in his career and right now, compared to the likes of John Ram, of course, and guys like that he 's almost a veteran and he certainly plays like one and uh, he has that intangible ability to just do the right thing at right mo- at the key moments and that is something that really only the great players seem to have and uh, I think Spieth you know maybe doesn't quite have the tools that some of the other guys perhaps have. But he has a great all-round game and he gets the most out of what he has. And again, like I say, he has that tremendous attitude and real competitive spirit. And that can go a very long way in golf, particularly in a major championship when the pressure is on. But one guy, Stuart, who, of course, has played well in the Open for many years now. He's talked about loving Lynx golf. He won the Scottish Open a couple of years ago at Gullin. He played well in the Walker Cup 10 years ago at Royal County Down. is Ricky Fowler, who, again, is... Almost been the young pretender for so many years. He's got a big profile. He's you know people love him. He's a massive fan base, but he hasn't quite crossed the line the major championship. He's contended on a number of occasions, of course. Most recently at the U.S. Open and did the Masters, but in the final days there, he somewhat fal- uh, faltered. So Stuart, looking at Ricky Fowler, of course. He plays well in tough conditions, he, he embraces Lynx golf, he enjoys the challenge and he's consistently played well there and he's many people's favourite to finally cross the line and pick up that first major and of course recently we've seen a lot of guys in the past year or so, the kind of the best players not to win a major, finally shedding that tag with Dustin Johnson last year, Henrik Stenson of course, you know, Sergio most of all at the Masters this year, could Ricky Felder Stewart be the next player to finally shed that tag? Tag of being one of the best players not to have a major championship victory.
1: I I first saw Ricky uh, up close at the twenty eleven Open at St George's. I was down there and I noticed it was actually Phil Mickelson I was following in the practice round and uh, Ricky was out with him and. It, Phil had taken him under his wing and he was showing him how to play all these shots. It stuck in my mind then that another one pro was showing another pro how to play a type of bunker shot or a type of chip for links. Um, and it, it, it did strike me. And at that point, I thought, this kid, Ricky, um, and that must have been his, own, his first or second open, I thought, this, this guy has got the game to win an open and I've been tipping him every year since. And <laughs> one of these years, I'll be right.
0: <laughs> so this and,
1: uh, year, perhaps, isn't he? <laughs> perhaps. Um Perhaps he, he has. He's playing seven opens and only missed the one cut. So, he, he, like you say, he has got the Lynx game. He, he played really well at Gullin, and I think it was quite stiff wins there. Um, yeah. And if you if you look at Vicky's performance, I mean he had an outstanding uh, twenty fourteen. I think the only problem with. Um, So in 2014, yeah, he was in fifth, second, second, third. He was just top five to every major, but just he never seemed to contend, but he was always right there. Um, And then after that, he kind of dropped down and we thought, well, have we we seen the last of Ricky? Is Is he more a show than game? But if you look at his results in the last year, after missing the cut of the last year's US Open, He's went 46th last year's Open, 33rd, 11th, 5th. There's just an upward trajectory that he's getting better and better. So can he improve on that 5th that he got uh, a couple of weeks ago at Erin Hills? And what looking at the people, the type of people who have won at Birkdale, and there's a, a word that stuck out to me, and it's, it's redemption. The, um, Harrington won mm. thereafter. Well, it was his second major, but it was kind of Harrington was always a guy should have won a couple of majors. So Burkdale was kind of his redemption. He did say to him, it was a, a more satisfying win than his win the previous year at Carnoustie. Again, Marco Mira, a really good golfer for years, couldn't get over the line. And then he won it. Um, he won the masters that year. And then he won at Burkdale. Ian Baker Finch was a great player for many years and never won a major. Finally won it at Burkdale. And then his, his game dropped off a cliff. Um, the recurring theme at Burkdale is, it seems to reward players who have always been there or thereabouts, and it's the kind of fair test that is needed to get them over the line, so this could very well be Ricky's year.
0: Yeah, it's a very good point and of course people may question Ricky's ability under pressure but I think in the end when you saw the way he played at the Players' Championship two years ago, that incredible finish at Sawgrass, that really answered any doubts about that. He can play under pressure, he can produce golf at the right moment and he did that day there. And certainly he's unquestionably capable of winning the Open Championship. And uh, I think he'd be a very popular winner. And of course, it has to be quickly said here that Ricky likes his orange. And all the marshals at Birtdale are wearing orange this week. So there we are. Yeah. The omens are there, if you believe that sort of thing. I don't personally, but some people do. <laughs> Strange folk that they may be. But yes, one guy who, of course so right now, he needs any sort of omen, any kind of good bit of fortune, and that is Rory McIlroy, the four-time major champion, the twenty fourteen Open champion, who really is having a, a almost a, a very strange, enigmatic year where nothing's really seems to be going on in his, his favour. On the golf course, off the golf course, it's going very well. You know, new equipment deals. Obviously got married recently. It's all very nice and handy. But on the golf course, he had obviously injury problems early in the year that really curtailed his, his preparation for the Masters and indeed the US Open, where he missed a cut there. He's missed the cut at the Irish Open and indeed the Scottish Open coming into the Open Championship this week. So Rory, right there in terms of his game, it, it, it's not there. His form isn't quite there for whatever reason. He's, just, he's making too many mistakes. He's missing too many putts or too many fairways. He's just not quite putting together a good round. He's having good kind of nine holes or good flashes of a round, but just not quite putting it together consistently in that it's not something you want to have coming into a major. But, of course, Rory has an unbelievable amount of ability. He's just the, the player of his generation. But right now, he's not showing it. So, obviously, he's capable of doing anything on a golf course. We know that. He's, he's so good. He's so capable. But, Josh, coming to you, you know, Rory, how can you explain his year? Is it because of the injury? Is it the equipment change? Is it a combination of everything? What has happened to Rory this year? And could you see him turn it around this week at Birkdale? Oh
2: a bit of a mystery isn't it really what's happened I, I think it's probably a combination of everything yeah I mean he's yeah. he got married which is obviously a big deal and a big big change in his, his life outside of golf the equipment stuff I, I personally don't think will have helped him um he's gone from you know using whatever he wanted you know he had a mixed bag of of branded clubs which I always think's a good sign um for mm-hmm. a pro and then took the big deal with with tailor-made which um you know, in the long term might work for him, but I think doing that mid-season is a big, big risk, um, especially with the ball. Um, You know, the flight will be slightly different, I, I suspect, to what he was using before. So it's just, it's probably a combination of that. He's the sort of guy that when he's playing well and believes in himself, he is just totally unbeatable. We've seen it so many times in his career, but when things aren't quite clicking, he doesn't You know, with all respect to him, he's one of my favorite golfers, but he doesn't seem to have that ability to grind out results. And we've seen that over the last few weeks. I mean, he'll have been devastated to have missed the cut in the Irish Open. Obviously, he's hosted the event. And then at the Scottish Open, he he looked very lackluster and and just didn't quite seem comfortable with with his swing as... His putting's obviously a, a massive frustration for him as well, and he, it, that seems to be really, really getting inside his head, which is never a good thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I I'd be surprised if he were to turn it around this week. He's the sort of guy when he gets going, he's great. He'll have he'll have a, f- a few months of playing really well, but at the minute, I'm just not convinced that this is going to be that week where he does that. Is His links golf has never been his strength. He he likes trees. He likes the kind of American style courses. He even said a few years ago, he's not a huge fan of of the wind and links style. Um, obviously, picked up the win at Hoylake, which was which was great. Uh, but aside from that, his record's not the best. So no, I I don't I don't know what you guys think, but I'm not convinced that
0: this is going to be Rory's week. Yeah, it seems well, quite um, difficult for someone. Sorry, straight on you go. I'll let you comment. No, i was just, I was just on going
1: um, It's just sad. Huge Rory fan here. I Actually named my my youngest child after him, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's it's just so it's he's so frustrating just now. And this he's a fan dog, and I'm yeah. sure he's he's even more yeah, frustrated same, yes. with himself. But the, the the worrying thing I'm seeing is he's coming to press conferences and every time he's saying yeah yeah I'm I'm, I'm just a bit there I'm about ninety five percent I'm nearly there and then he goes out on the course and he's not and we've seen that before with Tiger and I, I yeah Rory's always been. Remarkable for his honesty in press conferences, and I hope he is actually ninety-five percent the other, and he's not just kidding himself on, or even worse, he's just decided that he's getting fed up with the questioning, and that's what he's saying to to the to the media. Um, looking at Rory's records, um, if you look at it for the last fourteen majors, uh, quite a, over quite a number of years, his his record is good. He's won. Two majors. He's had seven top tens. He's, he's only missed the three cuts. But if you look at his last six majors, so the near term, that's where all those three missed cuts were. Yeah. So, and the other thing about the last six majors is he's been in the top ten of the other three. So this is this is the way Rory's he's going to go. He's either going to miss a cut or he'll be in the top ten. And that that echoes what Josh is just saying. If if his game's on form, he will he will be right up there. And um, I think maybe though he has got a reputation that he doesn't grind it out, but. If, Maybe that's that's a bit unfair because as you can see, yeah, possibly, yeah, it, it does get the top tens, and I think maybe it does a kind of Matt Kutcher backdoor top ten where you don't really notice him in the field, and suddenly he's he's in the top ten. So yeah, that's that's where though will be this week. He'll either be top ten think, or Moscow. We we also, I
2: mean, it, we we ha, we judge him by different standards to everyone yes. else, which I think is why possibly I came across as a bit harsh on him is because we judge him unfairly on him against people like Tiger Woods because he he's that good but yeah potentially it's a little unfair to do so you know if it was a anyone else we wouldn't be giving it half of the, the, the attention we just have over the last five minutes so um we we hope he'll turn it around I think we'll all agree that but um mm-hmm. yeah like you said it, it's it's not likely just now
0: no, it seems yeah. a bit unlikely, but I think in the end for Rory, I think the, the, the real target right now is probably the PGA championship at Quail Hollow uh, coming out in a few weeks, where of course he he's won twice there. That's probably the, the major for him this year in terms of the golf course and the setup and so on, but he hasn't, he needs to obviously show something in his game. But going back to what something you said there, uh, Fuzzy, about Rory and trying to balance the, the, the Tiger side of things, it's quite interesting. I think Rory right now is at a stage of his career where he's 28 years old, he's well established, he's been a, a pro for over a decade now he's won four majors, he's been world number one, he's won the FedEx, Race to Dubai, everything, become almost a senior player within the Ryder Cup team. And I think Rory right now is almost trying to balance life as a golfer and also that behind-the-scenes almost superstar on side of things as well. Where Rory is about as close as we have right now to a, a superstar golfer internationally in terms of the endorsements, in terms of the, the equipment deals and in terms of the expectations that are placed upon him. And I think he's almost changing his perception towards perhaps the rest of the world and indeed himself. At the same time as obviously having going through a, a kind of personal life change, obviously a golf change as well with the equipment. So Rory is all sort of up in the air right now, but we all know how capable he is. But turning it around for a major does seem unlikely. But if one player can do it, it's him, but probably not this week. I think that's probably fair to say. However, one guy who's coming in really as a new superstar, he's a year ago most people would not have heard of him, but ever since then he's made a name for himself, almost won in his first pro event, he won at Tory Pines earlier this year, he of course won by a canter at the Irish Open two weeks ago, and that of course is John Ram, who seems to be contending just about every single week on the PGA Tour, and now indeed over on this side of the pond, so... You know, John Ram, obviously a real, you know, incredible talent, hits the ball so far, he's almost the kind of archetypal modern golfer, he hits the ball for a mile, he's powerful, he's confident, but of course he also has this somewhat tempestuous personality where he sort of lashes out and he loses composure. Maybe that could perhaps hold him back from winning a major at this very youthful stage of his career. But then again, talent-wise, there's no question, he's certainly one of the best players in the world right now. So, Josh, coming to you, sorry, Stuart, coming to you first of all, but... uh, but John Ram, just how impressed have you been by John Ram in the past year? And do you think his somewhat aggressive personality may trip him up towards the end of a major at this point in his career? Oh,
1: um, totally, totally impressed by John John Ram. This is this is Europe's future rodder. This is our new superstar coming through, and I, I, I really can't stress this enough to people. This this guy is is the real deal. I mean, he, he won or um, uh, to. Two amateur trophy, so the, the name of which escapes me um, when he was still at a university. So he yeah. has got the game, but has he got the mentality yet to win majors? Because uh, last year at the US Open was his first major and he came in, so, I think it was 23rd. He was a low amateur, he turned professional just after that. He made the cut last year in the Open, charted somewhere in the 50th place. So he has only played one open, but it's 100% the record, one open, one made cut. Um, but open championships, uh, open champions, especially at Birkdale, oh, they tend to be older, they tend to be mid 30s, late 30s. They tend to have experience. Uh, they also tend to be guys who have had a lot of top tens in majors, especially in the, the open previously. They do build themselves up to win and that. so I think like maybe he's mentioned his temperament I think he still has a learning curve to go before he can win a, a major especially here at Berkeley. I think um, he might just try to step up on the tee and just try to hit it as far as possible and just get into all heaps of trouble um, so yes this guy will win majors I don't think it'll be this the week for them this week and I think the words might come back to haunt me but we'll soon find out <laughs> we <laughs> oh, certainly will but Josh coming to you there and just kind of following
0: up on something that Stuart mentioned there about obviously older players winning in the Open and in more recent years that seems to be kind of a theme I think in the last five or six years the average age of an Open winner is 38 and that's despite Rory being 25 in 2014 when he won there so Josh why do you think you know, more experienced headed players tend to do well in the Open
2: I've absolutely no idea no no Um <laughs> It's, it, 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 like I said before, it's a test of everything, really. And I think your, your mental toughness is part of that. I, I just think Lynx golf kind of suits experience. I, I might be mm-hmm. old fashioned in that view, but it's about being a bit canny, isn't it? And, and kind of understanding where to go, what to do with the ball, you know, and, and potentially it takes a few years just to kind of understand Lynx golf more than other forms of golf. I don't know whether I'm I'm right in that view, but it's it's very difficult. I mean, I I don't see any reason why John Rahm can't win this week. And actually, he would be my pick. I've a I've bit of a spoiler alert there, but I think he would be my pick to, to win it this week, despite him being a bit hot-headed. I mean, look what he did at the Irish Open. He just steamrolled yeah, exactly. everyone. You know, the, he's just playing a game that kind of a lot of people are just completely unfamiliar with. Um, he's got, he hits it, miles and miles well not literally that would be obscene but he hits it a long long way and his ball's a... going too far yeah, up, exactly yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> that's it rain the ball back in um yeah. but also his his touch is just incredible i mean i saw him on on sky sports yesterday hitting a four iron out of a, a five yes, that was great. <laughs> bunker and you're like this is incredible sort of i don't want to compare him to Sevy because that would be Completely unfair, but um, you know he, he seems to have a really, really nice touch. Plus, has that kind of very modern power game um, that that mm-hmm. we see so many guys coming through have. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's the mental thing. Is he going to be able to overcome kind of uh, the kind of the, the the test on his his mental abilities this week? And that I guess that's the unknown. We don't know. And we, we'll. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does cope with it because he's. Very exciting. He's got a lot of charisma about him. So, yeah, he, he, he's going to be, I, I, I suspect, right in there in the hunt. And those words yeah. might come back to haunt me as well. So.
0: <laughs> well, I think he's going to miss the cut then. It's going to go the opposite to you. We've got <laughs> it better I don't think that really But yeah, I think he's a fantastic talent And like you said, the Irish Open He really answered a lot of questions there Could he play well on a a former golf He's not really used to in America Where he's been, of course, for many years now And he played there superbly Just took the course apart And uh, took the field apart And it was a very strong field as well A really good kind of dress rehearsal for this week Particularly if the rain falls As it did at Port Stewart The course plays a bit softer That could play right into his hands once again But I should quickly say that Our intrepid reporter Owen Davis. The beard to be feared. The, the the king, the face of golf, shake, Mister Davis. He reported to me earlier today that John Ram was hitting the ball all over the place. So hopefully. Oh. John is getting his bad shots out of the way earlier in the week before the championship actually begins.
2: The 2000 Open, just a very quick story here. The 2000 Open on the Wednesday, one of my friends went out to watch Tiger Woods practice on the old course and he came in Uh and he said, I don't know what all the fuss is about. He said he was all (laughs) over the place. He said the guy's completely overrated and he won by nine shots that week. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and, if, yeah, and of course Tiger that week Didn't find a single bunker On the old course over 72 holes Which I think is Takes probably one of the greatest Achievements in the history of the Open Championship That was uh, yeah. incredible And shows you how much control he had Over his game and indeed his strategy And that was how good Tiger actually was But that's a great story But yeah, John Ram, he's some talent So we'll wait and see Hopefully his bad shots are out of the way And he can stand up in the first tee on Thursday And strike one right down the middle But one guy Josh, coming to you now, who's been striping the ball so well this year, is Tommy Fleetwood, who, of course, a year ago, he'd really fallen off the radar. He was a very gifted amateur player, world number one amateur, started his pro career really well, won at Glen Eagles four years ago, but then he tailed off. But this past year, he's went back to his old instructor. He's now got his best mate as his caddy. He's got a baby on the way. He's going to get married. So it's all going to go downhill from here. But right now, he's at a real peak. And this year he's been incredible A real breakthrough season He won in Abu Dhabi He won recently in France He contended at the US Open At the World Golf Championship He finished second to Dustin Johnson So Tommy is one of the best ball strikers in the game this year Certainly on the European Tour And obviously of course he has this incredible local backing Because he is a local boy from Southport Has this massive crowd behind him Record ticket sales this year for the Open And a lot of those people are out there watching Tommy Fleetwood and mentioning Owen Davis again, he said to me earlier that the crowds following Tommy on Monday were massive. So you can imagine what they're going to be like on Thursday. So obviously, Josh, a great player this year. He's got a very refreshing, unassuming attitude. He's very likeable down to earth. But this week, could the expectation of the home fans and that pressure, could that be too much for him to handle this week? Or how do you feel Tommy Fleetwood will will do at Burtdale this year at the Open?
2: Ah, oh, it's it. I mean, it's it. His form has been just phenomenal since probably August last year. If you look at his yeah. run towards the end of the year, it was really, really picking up, and kind of obviously the hard work he'd been putting in with his old coach, who he went back to, who's obviously was starting to pay off. And then the big win in Abu Dhabi, the big win in France, and you just feel right now he's just riding the crest of a wave. And I think, yeah, it's it's to do with the expectations. It's whether he can. He can overcome the fact that 99% of the crowd will be watching him. Um, I think if he does do it, Hollywood will be coming to make a film of it because it would be a phenomenal story of a a guy who had such a great amateur career. I mean, he won the the Scottish and English amateur, came second in the amateur championship. He was a really, really top player when he was younger and then kind of had a couple of lean years, um, probably adjusting to life on tours, probably not not easy um Mm -hmm. but you know right now he's showing us what he we always suspected he was capable of and it's great to see he's just a really really solid golfer all round golfer nice guy yeah i really hope he does it i mean he's got i i I mean i i think he's got a really good chance um this week he knows the course well i'd imagine he'll be staying at home i might be wrong about that um Mm -hmm. and he's got the crowd with him hopefully he'll kind of really kind of re- respond to that. Like we do see um, with a lot of hometown kind of sportsmen in events, we, we, you know, hoping he'll really, really kind of respond well and, and cope with it well um, and put in a good performance. So, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, he's got not got a lot of major experience. Um, obviously, he played the, the Mexico World Golf Championship, came second there, and then fourth in US Open. So he's good on the big stage. Abu Dhabi was a fantastic field, remember, and he, you know, he 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 played phenomenally well there. I think he hit sixty-eight out of seventy-two greens that yes, week. Yes, that's right. Um, and and France wasn't far behind that either. So it shows that his long game is is really, really top class, as good as anyone in the world right now. So th- there's nothing nothing to stop him from from showing us, and, you know, on the major stage and and hopefully picking up a claret jug this week.
0: Yes, it would be an amazing story, Josh. And, of course, coming 25 years since Sir Nick Faldo won at Muirfield for the, the second time, the last time an English player had won the Open Championship, of course. which seems a, yeah. seems a remarkable stat given the number of very good English players throughout the years, of course. And, uh, but, Tommy, obviously, it would be a great story, obviously... Fiancé, baby on the way, best mate on the bag. It's all good for him. And also, he loves his dogs. And you know what? Said, he's a good guy. We all know that. So that's, that's good. a good sign of that. Yes, he loves his dogs. But one guy who I'm not sure loves his dogs, but he's an English golfer, and he's very good, Stuart, is Justin Rose, who, of course, is coming in here with the memory of what he achieved 19 years ago when as an amateur. He came through and contended in the open, hold that second shot on the 18th, for uh, a pro shot there, and great finish from the rough. And... Um, an amazing moment in there. Obviously he turned pro. His pro career for the first couple of years was obviously a disaster. But he showed incredible perseverance. And now he's one of the best players in the game. US Open champion. Obviously contended. So unlucky enough to win the Masters this year at Augusta. And coming now, obviously, to, to Burtdale. And again, it seems to me, Stuart, that Justin Rose, in terms of his age, experience, the way he plays, he seems almost a perfect fit for a major, for the for the Open Championship, and indeed for Royal Burkdale, What do you think of Justin Rose's chances this week?
1: I'm a, a big believer in uh, karma in golf, or uh, it's maybe an intangible, but there's, there's something in golf where the good guys do get rewarded, and Justin Rose is one of the good guys. He is the Olympic champion, and he has been almost like statesmanship in his tour of he's been shown off his medal, he's been promoting golf, he he, he does give out more to the game than he, he takes in and we, we also saw that at um at the Masters where I was really rooting for Justin to win not only because I had £20 on him to win at 30 to 1 but <laughs> not um, only because of that yeah not not only because of that but it, it then created a dilemma because it was him head-to-head with Sergio. And you're like, oh, 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 I really want Sergio to win as well. And the way that Justin carried himself through the last uh, the 18 holes and then through the playoff as well, I think he came out of that looking incredibly good. And mm-hmm. the, the way the, the golf karma tends to work is he will get the word for that. Uh, however, you, you say... Will it be the Open? Well, I spoke before about the the redemption of um, it Possibly could, but Justin's record in the Open isn't as great as you might think. it is, he has, he's played fifteen of them. He's only had two top tens, and one of those was in nineteen ninety eight when he was a mm-hmm. low amateur and won of a silver medal. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: the only other top ten was uh, I think it was at St Andrews in twenty fifteen. So he's not got a great records of playing in the Open, but. Um, I'm just thinking, yeah, he does have the game for it. He's, he's got the temperament for it. And I, I think there's just a lot of positive things going on in his life just now. And I think Justin could go very well here. I do I do quite fancy yeah, him yeah. again.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Obviously, all-round all good guy and a great professional. Though he wears some of the worst sunglasses I've ever seen. And he, need, he really needs to sort that out because it's
1: shocking. Apparently that's what fever.
0: fever. Is that right? So, there actually, is yeah, a it's reason the, for the, it.
1: The that's what is I feared about anyway. About it's really?
0: for hay fever. Yeah. Not... Oh, there we go. You, see, you learn something new on the Golf Shake podcast every week. So there we are. So Justin Rose isn't isn't actually a bad dresser. He's got hay fever. So that's we'll let him off for that. But one guy uh, coming to you finally, Josh, our final kind of main contender who. Fuzzy mentioned him there, of course, who I don't think has hay fever and is always impeccably dressed. It's Sergio Garcia, who, of course, picked up that first major of his career, finally, in in April at the Masters, in the most dramatic finish. Great theatre, great moment, one of the best celebrations I've ever seen in golf. And now he's a major champion. Josh, you know, Sergio, he's played so well in the Open through the years. He's a perennial contender. He should have won at Carnoustie in 07, of course, but he's been there thereabouts most of the years. And now with this kind of monkey off his back, so to speak, with a major tag, now he's a major champion. Could Sergio do a Marco Mira, I guess, having won a major late in his career, could he now go and follow it up with the Open at Birkdale?
2: I think he, he might well too, yes. Um, his Open record is just absolutely ridiculously good. Like, he he's had 10 top 10s in his career at the Open. Um, mm-hmm. he's, his last three Opens, he's finished second, sixth and fifth, which is, again, just absolutely brilliant consistency. I think if uh, some of the bookies, I think, this week are offering each way bets on the top 10 places. I think Sergio Garcia is 18 to one. That's that's pretty much free money, you'd think, the way he's <laughs> playing at the minute. Um, no, I I think he's got the game for for Birkdale. I followed him there, um, in 1998 when he was a a whippersnapper. Um, and he was playing with Tom Lehman. I think Tom, he was in the practice round and Tom Lehman famously said, I just wanted to go in after three holes because he just made me look so, so bad at golf just because he was, and he was just striping it. And he just, I don't know, really, I think his game really suits the course, the way he plays, the way he shapes the ball. And plus that kind of boost of winning the Masters might well might well um, give him, well, yeah, the monkey off the back, like you said, but also just make him relax and just enjoy mm. the majors a bit more. It always felt like the the pressure would just weighed him down every time he played a major and he couldn't get over the line. But now he has done, I don't know, is it like one of these waiting for a bus scenarios where you wait for ages and then two come along at once? So I really mm. hope so. Um, I've never seen anyone wear the green jacket as much as Sergio has since <laughs> it. He wears it everywhere. So I'm not sure how he's going to swing the club on Thursday if he's wearing that jacket. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. It's like just Justin
1: Lodi's gold medal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me Sergio yeah. has been be wearing his green jacket. Justin Lodi has a cardinal. Yeah,
2: but he just wears it all the time, and I think that's great. I really love it. He's, he's obviously just cherishing being Masters Champ and why not? You know, it's it's fantastic. And he couldn't have yeah. couldn't have had a more popular winner worldwide than Sergio of the Masters. And I don't know, I think he seems to be just really enjoying his life and it would just be great if he to pick up a claret jug, which really is the major we all suspected he would he would win, um if he were yeah, to ever good. win one. Um yeah, he deserves one if that's if that's possible to deserve a, a major title, but he he really does. So yeah, fingers crossed.
1: Um, he'll be up. Yeah, there. when he'll be he'll be there, he'll be there yeah, or when, thereabouts. When we played our when we played our little predict majors game at the start of the year, I actually I said uh, that Bartle was made for Sergio. Um, I have got it in writing, uh, and then he's gone and ruined it by winning the Masters.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, if you look at Sergio's record, I'm just trying to think of certainly maybe outside the people who are ex-champions, um, he's he's played in 15, 18, uh, 18 of them. There can it's, be it's many 20, golfers out there who have played more. Yeah. Maybe yeah. only Lee Westwood, but uh, Sergio's certainly yeah. got a better records than Lee Westwood. And, and Like, like we we're, 10, the- 10, yeah,
2: kind of like we're saying about the people yeah. who are more experienced tending to win, to win the Open, that he kind of really fits that bill as well, kind of mid to late 30s. Mm-hmm. He's played a lot of opens. He's played a lot of Lynx golf. He won the, the British boys. Um, he won the amateur, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to get my facts wrong. So, yeah, you know, he's, he's really got that pedigree on Lynx golf. His ball flight is that kind of low penetrating flight. It really suits kind of windy conditions. So, yeah, no, nothing to to suggest that he won't be competing again.
0: No, indeed, and uh, like you say there, you know, the Open has always been the major that he seems the most relaxed and and the one that he actually enjoys the most. And I think now with the the baggage off him now from the Masters, I think it's uh, he he's can almost sort of free it from here. And I think he, you know he will do well this week. I really believe that. And like Fuzzy Eye tipped Sergio to win the Open at the start of the year, which uh, you know might be a bad Open for him. You never know, but I think he'll certainly contend. Mm-hmm. But of course, you mentioned here that Sergio was eighteen to one this week, and of course, we do not endorse. Betting on the Golf Shake podcast, but if you know, that's still not a bad bet, even if you want to have a little flutter here or there. But we do not endorse that, of course. We are obviously a clean living and uh, very wholesome podcast. We do not endorse any of these vices in life, but yeah, 18 to 1 is pretty tempting, I've got to say. But in terms of tipping players, and obviously we've looked through all the main contenders here. So now, drum roll, it's time for the picks. Who is going to win? Who is going to be the champion golfer of the year? That's me doing Peter Dawson there, ladies and gentlemen, by the way, in case you weren't sure. But um, yes. Thank you. Of course, he's no longer the RNA chief executive, but uh, when he was, I I did enjoy impersonating him quite a bit because he has a very inimitable way of talking, which I do like, (laughs) I do quite enjoy, I've got to say. Uh, But yes. See, obviously, you know, Claret Jug, an iconic trophy. So coming to you first, Fuzzy, come on, who is going to lift it? I know you're going to say anyone could, you have no idea. It's the most open, open of all time. I don't care about all that. Don't even say that I'm going to cut you off If you do
1: Tell me who's going to win Come on well, the, the, the problem is we've, I think we've just Tipped about 10 different players To win the Open <laughs> um, That's not the point only though John, only John Ram won um, So yeah, my, And John Ram will probably looking just Justin knows uh, Justin just knows for me Thanks And do you have Fuzzy
0: An outside player That we haven't mentioned At all tonight Who could come from Left field And contend this week
1: um I've got two perhaps um one's maybe not that far from left fields, but um Andrew beef Johnston, I saw him I was at train ah. last year, and uh the crowds were just going mental for them. they were shouting beef mm. beef, and he's he's you, sometimes with players, you never know if they're just putting on a front up front for the fans and behind the scenes they are. They're not so nice, but um, I've heard absolutely nothing but good things about um, about Beef, and he's he's a great guy. He mm-hmm. made the cut last month for Erin Hills. He was 8-foot Um and I wish nothing for the best. So maybe a bit of more hope. I, I really hope that Beef does well. The only issue is he's never really... I'm, I'm probably going to get slaughtered here now for, for criticising the Beef, but he's, he's never okay. really been in contention, or he's never really pushed on the final day. He's always... Um, maybe fell back a little bit. I'd like to just see him that final push in the final days. So let's see how close he can get.
0: Yes, that'll be some story. And Josh, you love a bit of beef as well, don't you? He's he's the man, isn't he?
2: He is. Yeah, he's great. Um, I was lucky enough to meet him last week, actually. And, yeah, he's a lovely bloke. He's exactly what you see is what you get. So, yeah, I mean, it would just, yeah. Another good Open would be great. The crowds love him, and he seems to really love that as well. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Um,
0: and and Josh, you might, sorry mate, you mentioned there obviously earlier that you really hope that Fleetwood will win, and then you said you really hope that Sergio will win. So that's yeah, two guys that I, you really just, hope will win. So I, pick one of them, I, please.
2: There's lots I'd like to win. I would like. There's a lot of nice guys out there. I think if I was to pick one right now to win it, I'm going to go for Sergio. Uh-huh. And my outsiders, I've got. Well, they're not really massively outsiders, but. Um, Ian James Poulter would be one. Oh, I, his, I know! can't believe I know. it. Yeah, so his games really come round um, recently. He had a good week until Sunday at the at the Scottish Open, and just the fact he put so much kind of effort into qualifying for the Open shows how much mm. it means to him. Um, kind of flew back to to play it at, um, at Woburn in the qualifier, and, and to get through. I mean, there's a big field there, and. The only three places and to get one of those three places was phenomenally impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, it really was. Um, he's got a good record at Birkdale as well. I think he came second there in 2008. So he, I, I really think he's a, he's a good outside bet. You know, I I, I really do. And the other one is Matt Kuchar, um, who I think slips under the radar. He's another one of those guys who has a lot of good finishes, but um, you, you never really see him much, but I I think he he seems to be hitting the ball well he came over a week early to play in the scottish open and
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah i think he's a he's a solid solid player and if he can get that putter going which is the club that's letting down many many times then um yeah i think he's he's a good each way bet as well
0: Yes, Matt Kutcher, who we, uh, we don't notice much of But then indeed, he doesn't tend to notice other people as well As indeed Andrew Coltart found out a few weeks ago But that's another story altogether As some viewers will remember from Sky Sports One of the most awkward things I've seen on Sky Television for quite some time And I've seen David Livingston's hair change dramatically over the years But yes, in terms of the... I do apologise, David, I love you really level You're a good guy, obviously, and a very good presenter, but yeah yeah, the, the hair piece is uh, slipping a little bit sometimes, but um, but of course, looking at the obviously you mentioned there, your great picks. So I guess I have to pick as well. So uh, I'm not going to sit in the fence here. I'm going to stick my neck out. I, w- I want to see you know, Sergio and Fleetwood contend. That'd be great. But I'm going to actually, you see if he gets his putter working. I believe in redemption, and I think five years ago Adam Scott should have been Open champion, mm. and I think this year that would be the ultimate redemption I think if Adam Scott could come back and win the Open here at Birkdale and uh, win that second major that his talent certainly merits and uh, obviously the putter's a bit of an issue but I think if that clicks, his game's there, experience is there, Adam Scott could be a, a slightly under the radar guy coming in that might just sneak through and pick up another major, maybe not but I'd like to see it certainly and as for an outsider, I look at the South Africans Brandon Grace, Louis Westhazen Great players who tend to contend in the majors Obviously Louis You know T- twice almost won the Open at uh, St. Andrews of course and as uh, a great all-round player in the right conditions can certainly do anything to any golf course and Brandon has that kind of uh, gritty determination that I think is always required in an Open. But yeah, there's so many great stories potentially. Ian Poulter there as well of course like you say. Porrig Harrington, can he come back with his pirouette swing and potentially win the Open once again at Royal Birkdale at the age of 45? Wouldn't that be a story? So guys, coming to the end of a special edition of the Golf Shake podcast for the open i i have to quickly say i've uh we, we kind of scraped the barrel here getting you two on but i must say you've surpassed really? expectations so first of all, coming to you fuzzy how was your experience in the golf sheet podcast was it hope it wasn't too painful for you
1: not at all but um i think we've, we've went slightly over time but maybe once it once darren edits it down to the, the good material it'll be maybe about a five minute podcast but um thank you very very much for having me and I'm glad that people made it to the end.
0: Well, if they have, if they have, Stuart, yes. Have. So, uh, uh, Josh, uh, f- f- Josh, <laughs> Josh, thank you for. Yeah, obviously, Josh, give a shout out then to the diehards who have come all the way with us in this podcast and listened right to the end. Give them a message, Josh. I'm
2: <laughs> not sure who they are, but they're no, Some very you. sad people. I hope you've- I hope you've learnt a lot from our extensive golfing knowledge and uh, <laughs> enjoy the week. I mean, it's the best week of the year, is it not? It is. In the Open Championship. It's the worst part of the week is the Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, just waiting for it to start. It just seems to drag and drag and drag. But once Thursday morning's here, I'm sure we'll have our tea and biscuits ready at 6 a.m. and Oh, I yeah, certainly will. Settle down to watch hey, it. I so, hey, no, me
1: mean, you... Josh, you were playing golf tonight. I was actually outside uh, painting my garden fence tonight In such a a glorious night. I should have been on the golf course, but what I was actually doing is bringing forward all those household tasks that have to be done. So my schedule is now clear for (laughs) wall-to-wall open coverage starting on Thursday. Here we go. Great stuff.
0: That is a a veteran open viewer speaking there, folks. That's a, a great idea. And yes, it is the longest kind of stretch in golf the first three days of the open week. But of course, we've tried to remove that slightly, I raise that slightly by having this podcast and uh, again it's been a real pleasure having both Josh and Stuart who brought their insight, knowledge and analysis to the podcast and it's been a real pleasure having them, hopefully we'll have them back at some point in the future, it's been great fun and of course the Open Championship like Josh said there, always a great part of the year, one of the highlights of the season, just a, a great event, an iconic event, so much to enjoy, obviously 145 Opens have shown us that anything is possible. And even that is probably hard to predict, with any certainty and the often wild and uncooperative progression of a championship being hard to predict. Anything can happen. It could indeed be a fairy tale for Tommy Fleetwood in the shadow of his hometown. But a dream will certainly be fulfilled by someone this weekend as the game's oldest and most enduring challenge is set to once again crown the champion golfer of the year. Thank you for listening.